This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Many locally owned newspapers have shut down across the country, while others have been taken over by large corporations. How do these changes affect local communities? And can digital news really replace traditional papers? The largest chains in the country 15 years ago had maybe 100 papers. Today we have two newspaper chains that have more than 200 and more than 400 papers, and they're about to merge. Then, what you know about health care may be wrong. A top doctor shares medical myths that may surprise you. People sort of beat around the bush and say, oh, well, we just want to decrease the rate at which health care is increasing. No, no. We want to decrease the cost of health care. Those two stories and more are ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Many local newspapers have shut down nationwide, while others have been taken over by corporate owners. How have these changes impacted local communities? And can digital news really replace traditional papers? With this story, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. With newspapers, television and radio, websites, blogs and podcasts, one might think Americans have never been better informed. But a new report says a startling number of newspapers have folded, meaning some 1,400 communities that had newspapers in 2004 now have no local news coverage. Joining us to explain the importance of this is Penny Muse Abernathy, a former executive at the Wall Street Journal and New York Times, and she's the Knight Chair in Journalism and Digital Media Economics at the University of North Carolina. Ms. Abernathy, when a local newspaper shuts its doors, what is the effect on a community? Well, there's a loss of a sense of community. There's been a lot of research that has shown that newspapers perform three very important functions. They help us identify the important issues that will improve the quality of our lives or affect the quality of our lives. They encourage economic growth in an area where they're located by both their advertising as well as their journalism that spots long-term trends. And then finally, they create social cohesion and that in turn improves political participation. And you're saying, therefore, without local newspapers, the local school board or the city council or the police department might make really important decisions without the normal press oversight or without local input. Without local input and without local oversight, I would prefer to use the word even transparency. There's been a lot of research that has shown that simply having a reporter show up at a local meeting tends to make our elected officials a lot more judicious about making decisions and exploring all angles. One way to look at a newspaper is newspapers in the U.S. especially have not only informed us and educated us, but also been important community builders. Your report talked about so-called news deserts, and you said they're populated by the most vulnerable. What is meant by that? Well, my own definition of a news desert has changed over the years. For many people, the local newspaper has been the prime, if not the sole source, of news and information in their community. We have an abundance of national news at our fingertips anytime we go to our mobile phones now. But what's really lacking is the local news that shows us how the national headlines are relevant to us and affect us in our daily lives. So for me, what I'm looking for is, does a community have 
access to the kind of critical information that it needs for its residents to make good decisions about what they need to do in terms of voting on bond issues, in terms of electing officials, in terms of deciding what are the important issues in that community. So for me, a news desert is a place that is typically one where communities are economically struggling. They have very limited access. The residents tend to be much poorer than the U.S. average. And as a result, they are exactly the type of communities that need that critical information to make good decisions. Many family-owned newspapers wind up selling to large news conglomerates headquartered elsewhere. Now, what is the danger when there's an out-of-towner calling the shots for your community? Well, we have very large chains now. If you hearken back only about 15 years ago, the largest chains in the country had maybe a 100 papers, and most of the chains were maybe 20 to 40 newspapers. Today, we have two newspaper chains that have more than 200 and more than 400 papers, and they're about to merge. That would be Gatehouse and Gannett, which means there'll be 600 papers. So if you think for a moment, one of the benefits of having an independent newspaper located in your community is that you know who the publisher is, you know who the owner is, you know who the editor is, and you bump into them on the street. How do you, if you have a problem, either as an advertiser or as a reader, Who do you go to when your newspaper is owned by a conglomerate that has 600 or more newspapers? And how are decisions made about what the connection of that corporation is to your community? We're visiting with Penny Muse Abernathy from the University of North Carolina about its study on the decline of local newspapers. Ms. Abernathy, in some cities, there are so-called hyper-local online news agencies. Why aren't they able to fill the gap? Well, for two reasons, I think. One is that we need to think about not just areas and regions that have news deserts, but communities within those regions that may have abundant media options, but don't have anything that's actually covering a community. One of the things we found in our study is if we looked at the 500 digital startups that dealt with local issues, almost all of them were located in and around major cities. But that doesn't mean they were covering some of the inner city neighborhoods that had lost local news sources that also needed that sort of information. So one way to look at it is that we have at the moment, because of the economic situation facing most traditional newspapers, we have a threatened collapse of the local news ecosystem. So we really need those neighborhood newspapers. We need our news outlets. We need those regional news outlets to kind of tell us how we're related to people we didn't know we were related to in the same area or maybe across the city or in another part of the state to kind of give us that sense of cohesion and help us come together to figure out the problems. You mentioned that entrepreneurs are experimenting with new business models to provide local news where the local papers have folded. What are some of these models, maybe one or two of the most promising ones? Well, I think the one thing we have to accept is that there is no one model now, as there has been in the past, that will determine whether a news organization, and let's call it news organization, I might call it newspaper, but that doesn't mean it has to be delivered the way we think of a traditional newspaper. One of the things that we found is that newspapers or news organizations that are successful have owners 
who understand that in order to survive, they have to offer unique value to both their readers and residents and businesses in that area. So that means they need to understand both what the needs and expectations are, and I say needs and expectations because they're often quite different, and then come up with services, come up with journalism, come up with products that are able to provide value to both the residents and businesses. That means they have to be willing to invest in their human capital. And right now, the unique value from a news organization invariably comes from its journalism as well as from the marketing services that they offer local businesses. And briefly, why haven't newspapers been able to remain profitable by selling advertising for their online versions? Well, print advertising has fallen below 1950 levels and continues to decrease. Most of us assumed if we could just get newspapers to transition to a digital model, that would solve the problem. But since 2013, 2014, the amount of digital dollars that are left over after businesses look to Google and Facebook to solve some of their immediate problems is less than about 20% to 25% in most markets. So that means you have newspapers, television, digital startups, all trying to find a piece of the digital revenue that's left over after Facebook and Google siphon off or pull out the digital dollars in even the smallest markets. So there's just not enough in the way of digital advertising dollars or digital dollars even to compensate for the loss in print advertising revenue, which historically furnished about 85% of what a newspaper typically had in terms of revenue. Penny Muse Abernathy, the Knight Chair in Journalism and Digital Media Economics at the University of North Carolina. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. Next, eye-opening medical myths that may surprise you. That story, straight ahead. There's more InfoTrack coming up. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 